Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. You are approaching what looks like a small settlement nestled at the edge of this sandstorm. My name is Fival Zemphia. Pleasure to meet you. One of the ships that is landed on the other side is a stone draugr ship flying from its flag, the sigil of the Moonhammer Mining Company. This is a gift straddled on a vehicle of some sort. Fitzwilliam Locke. Have I ever seen a gun smaller than a blunderbuss? I'm here to discover what my ancestors, the ancient Githzerai, were doing here in crop space. Lugnut pulls a lever and raises a mast with twisted instruments affixed to the top. The storm parts in your path, seemingly held back by an invisible dome. This will be the last episode of chapter four. Hmm. Before we jump into things, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our fan Max for gifting us some awesome homemade dice that I will actually be using tonight. So if everybody dies, blame Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not fair. We haven't gotten our Max dice yet. Yeah. No, uh, Fiona has hers. Yeah, I have. I have everyone else's. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't have mine either. <laughs> Okay, so I'll just roll for you guys on your dice, and then when we all get twenties, we all get twenties. You oh, know, huh. yeah, you just have to believe us, Nick. Sorry, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't blame me. Blame you know the dice. But <laughs> yeah, side effect of the fact that we're recording this podcast from four different cities means that uh, when we get lovely gifts from our fans to our PO box, we then have to distribute them <laughs> ourselves out. Really, I get lovely gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yona gets lovely gifts. Well, hopefully I'll be up there soon, and then we'll fight over them. <laughs> Hit me up next time, Max. It's all been done. A Better Good Ladies podcast has its own P.O. box. We can get that up for you. It's fine. Uh-huh. But yeah, thanks, Max. You can check out Resin Dent Dice Maker on Instagram. Go check that out for some awesome pictures of some super cool homemade dice. They rule. They do. So without further ado, let's jump back in to our story. You guys are all back on the storm rig. You're still catching your breath because you left in a hurry. 
you got to Storm's Eye and very quickly found that something terrible had happened. Not one, but five neothalids, these gigantic psionic worms, the mutated offspring of mind flayers, was ransacking the place. And, in fact, you fought one and managed to kill it with the help of several of your companions, giving the Leadfoot gnomes enough time to change their alchemical cores so that you can all get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, real quick, Nick, uh, I noticed an omission. Who was it that killed the Neophalid? Uh, was it Ravnus? <laughs> it was Ravnus. <laughs> okay. I honestly didn't remember. <laughs> I wasn't going to stroke your ego for you. Yeah, that's why I had to interrupt, but you can go back to it. Okay, yeah, but who fed the Neophalid? some rations. I mean, that really weakened. I mean, I loosened the jar. Sure, you opened it, whatever. You chucked that ham sandwich. That's right. <laughs> I distracted it. So, um, so you and what survived of the dwarves that came with you from the mine, and now a bunch of seekers have all piled onto the storm rig as you guys are driving back into the storm for the final leg of your journey. A couple days travel to Storm's Edge, where you are set to meet back up with the Voidfarer and get the hell off of this moon. So, <laughs> the three of you, Luckbeak, Ravnus, and Marco, with, of course, the giant space hamster, Tashi, uh, the gnomes, Lugnut, Camshaft, and Gasket, you have Fitzwilliam, Locke, the Gif, Brohane, and Ira, Brawla, Gadmund, and two of his dwarf companions that survived, five met their end to the Neothalid mere moments ago, Ezerath, the Gezerai, Diego Vasco, the head of the Seeker's archaeological dig site, anthropologist Colette Lightbloom, a Seeker that was at the dig site as well, Lieutenant Wilda Taft, a GIF member of the Seekers, and then eight additional Seekers, and then of course there's Dipstick, the giant space hamster. But all of you are crammed onto the storm rig right now. There is not a lot of wiggle room. People are bumping into one another. Um, people are struggling to find places where they can like settle down. It's even more crowded than the hold of the stoic gondolier that you guys came to crot space on. <laughs> so yeah, like everyone's going to be on top of each other for a couple days. So as you guys get settled in, you do have, uh, well, I guess first things first, because uh, there is going to be a couple days to cover here. Um, was there anything in particular you guys wanted to go out of your way to do on this last leg of the journey? Um, I mean, basically what I'm going to do is, is studiously avoid Diego. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, on that topic. Um, yep, yeah, I was just about to say that too. I want to also mm -hmm. meditate with my new item. Sure. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult because, like, everyone's so on top of each other. And, like, if he notices you, he doesn't really pay much mind. It seems that he is, at the moment, way more distracted by all of the current events. Sure. But you can kind of find a corner. Uh, you're not secluded by any means, but you've put a lot of bodies between Diego and yourself so that you can examine the items you have. This gold brass bangle bracelet that's composed of, like, many interconnected rings. And you do have a medallion that is on an ornate chain with a ornate golden skull mm -hmm. so you take some time to meditate on those and attune to them and you learn that the medallion is a medallion of thoughts it contains three charges and while wearing it you can use an action to expend a charge and cast the detect thoughts spell and it regains 1d3 expended charges at dawn so you have detect thoughts this allows like you to do it more than once per day right which is useful it would let you 
read Ravnus's little strands more. Plot item you just gave us, sure, so that uh, we can yes. all do that. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Uh-huh. The other one is an astral bracelet of knowledge spells. Okay. It requires attunement by a bard, cleric, druid, ranger, or wizard, and it contains 10 charges total, and you spend one or more of those charges to cast one of the spells. Comprehend languages, one charge. Detect magic, one charge. Dispel magic, three charges. Identify, one charge. Legend lore, five charges. Locate creature, four charges. Locate object, two charges. And sending, three charges. And as you hold it in your hand and attune to it, uh, you you can't actually attune to it because you don't meet the requirement. But in you learning this, it actually kind of activates and the concentric rings kind of pop up and hover and rotate around each other. And it appears to be like a little astrolabe floating in your hand when it's not being worn. Wow. Fancy. Yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, you're planning on making me take a level in Druid. That's fine. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, (laughs) I can't see any other use for it. Forget Gunslinger. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to hard pivot. Hell yeah. (laughs) I think Bard would make more sense, but Druid is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also, I assume Locke is going to reveal himself to be a a real nature lover. He's just going to teach me whatever I need him to teach me, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's absolutely what he was put here for. Surrounded by more birds than Snow White. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Locke is a real renaissance hippo (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh that's what those things do cool by chance ravness was there anything you wanted to do including taking a moment with your spear or anything else yes she would like to take a moment and think about her spear which is how i imagine attuning to (laughs) items work you just you just think about it real hard sure um yeah i i know that last time you said it was a gale pierce spear i do not know what that means but that's what i had in my notes that is correct it is called a gale pierce spear um and uh this magic weapon has been tempered to glide through the wind doubling both its normal and long throwing range and if you make a ranged attack with the gale pierce spear against a target protected by fog or in high winds or other air-based hindrances the attack is made normally without the normal disadvantage that would be incurred okay yep that sounds pretty cool I have so many spears now that I'm just terrified to lose. So she never uses them. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just have a quiver of spears. Yeah, she has a couple now, and I'm so scared to lose them. <laughs> um, but it doesn't appear to be an item that you need to attune by any means. So it's not taking up one of your attunement slots. And Diego, because Ravnus is not hiding from Diego. Does he, like, say anything that she, like, has this now? Uh... No, he doesn't say anything. Again, it seems like his mind is occupied by way more pressing matters. He's tending to the handful of seekers that are with him and making sure everybody's accounted for and making sure that they're doing okay. I can't believe Nick killed so many NPCs just so Luckbeak could get out of consequences <laughs> of his actions. <laughs> exactly what happened. That's how the Humboldt life works. I mean, you just, you know, you cruise by. You try not to think too much and <laughs> just everything just works out. <laughs> no faith in Marco to get him out of this jam. No, nope, it was, we got to unleash the worm. Put the luck in Luckbeak. That's 100% yeah. correct. And putting the bolts in. I'm going to bolt the fuck out of this battle before something eats me. <laughs> uh, the etymology of Luckbeak's <laughs> name. <laughs> Pretty wise decision in truth. It's true. And now I have a bracelet I can sell to Marco. It's just everything worked out. 
So while you guys are sitting there, there's the group that is made up mostly of the Seekers and Wilda Taft, the GIF woman who you first met in the canteen back at the dig site, is complaining very loudly pretty much the whole time. And in this particular moment, she's saying, I knew something like this would happen the moment I heard that Fitzwilliam Locke was worldside. Honestly, this surprises me not the least bit. And most of the other Seekers are kind of rolling their eyes. <laughs> Locke seems to be up on top and is not around at the moment. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but I kind of like give a side eye. I don't know how this is his fault, but I know it is. Someone like him being around is just bound to cause catastrophic problems. Hey. Uh, yes? Listen, I I don't I don't know you real well. You don't know me real well, but I mean just in case you forgot I'm one of the people that saved your ass back there. I'm just curious, um, how did Locke have anything to do with any of this? Well, he is a terrible, murderous individual. I don't know what he did to possibly cause this, but he was here and it happened. And it just seems like it is far too circumstantial to be a coincidence. Mm. Yeah, weird thing. Locke was actually with us. You know who was at the dig side? Is is your, your old ass. So, I mean, <laughs> if anybody did anything, it probably wasn't him. So... I mean, maybe you better re-examine your life choices. <laughs> she kind of looks down at you. What do you care? Fitzwilliam Locke slayed countless GIF individuals. Mm-hmm. All right. He is scum. Okay, listen, I, I don't give a shit. I mean, I, I'm sure it was a horrible, terrible, you know, waste of, 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 of good people, but... You know, people make mistakes. I'm sure you've done things you ain't proud of. Well, I have done nothing of the sort. You ain't done nothing that you ain't been proud of. Whoa. Not, not gossiping about other people, not, uh... I, I would know. never do such a thing. Okay, all right. <laughs> Neat. I don't know why I'm even... Why, why engage? Why engage? Because no one else was listening to you. I yeah, felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. She just kind of, like huffs and doesn't say anything else out of the corner of your eye you see that Locke was at the top of the stairs oh okay and he just kind of like hmm, to himself and takes a seat I'll very soon to Ray of him <laughs> I'm sorry I really, I really got Tom I heard him even uh -huh. <laughs> that one, that one out for me. <laughs> the distant cackle of Tom <laughs> isn't Tom's distant cackle is that in Unearthed Arcana right now or yeah, have they yeah, okay. it, it is right. actually cool, cool, cool. It's the sequel to Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, <laughs> actually, um, Locke will catch your eye, Luckbeak, and kind of like nod for you to come over to him and like gesture off to the side. Oh, uh, okay. I go over there. Locke was right there when she was saying all that. He was at the top of the <laughs> stairs. He he was like getting ready to okay. come down into the hold. <laughs> That small pack rig, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, there is literally nowhere to go. Okay. As I'm walking over, I say, like, uh, hey, man, I don't know why I even engaged. That was that was dumb of me. I, yeah. Don't mind her. Yeah. I know I know the story about your crewmates. I feel bad. I don't know. Ugh. She just, people like that really make me mad, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm used to it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not. I mean, that's what we were talking about me. That doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. He says, 
Here, I wanted to give you this. Oh. Uh, and he reaches into his pack and pulls out a small bundle. And he says, I was waiting to uh, give this to you when we got back to Storm's Edge and when we part ways. But uh, kind of seeing you back there. Did you, did you throw a sandwich? <laughs> well, I mean... It, it doesn't matter. Here, I think you could use this. <laughs> and he hands you the package. Oh, boy. Is it all wrapped up? It's not gift wrapped. It is yeah. just like a, a folded like bundle of cloth. Sure. Uh, should I uh, should I open this now? Wait for my birthday or open it now? <laughs> okay. You might need it. I unfold it. It is a pistol. And it is not one of Locke's big pistols. It is actually sized for you. And not only that, but like the, the pommel and the trigger and everything seem to be specifically designed to fit the flipper like <laughs> Doar hand. All right. And Locke says, I had some spare parts. I'm no gunsmith, but I can make things work when I need to. I I, I think, like, as he's saying that, like, we pan down and, like, Luckbeak is hugging his leg. Like, <laughs> uh, Locke has his hands, like, kind of hovering in the air, like, not quite sure what yeah. to do with them. And he, like, pats you on the head. Yeah. I, he, he backs right, off his head. All right. So, sorry. I, I, I know. I figured hugging wasn't your thing, but... This is real, real nice. I mean, this is one of the nicest things anybody ever done for me. Well, uh, you deserve it. Man, all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> There's this like awkward moment, and Locke goes, "Oh, well, you'll, you'll need this too." And he hands you a little uh, smoke powder horn and a pouch that has twenty bullets. Cool. Wow. All right. Locke will say, "Like I said, I'm." Not the best gunsmith, but I may do. When you uh, get back to Nadir Anchorage, there's the gunsmith I told you about. You can take it to her, and she can look it over and uh, look. And he gestures actually to the four-chambered rotating magazine of the pistol. Mm -hmm. And on each one, it almost looks like the little like wire holders that would be to like set a gem, like on a ring almost, oh. but they're empty. Materia slots. What? No? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Somebody's going to laugh at that. Not you three, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that was a reference to, it went over my head. <laughs> he goes, uh, that's for setting enchanted crystals. You can have each individual chamber of this pistol enchanted a different way. The gunsmith I told you about will be able to do that if you can afford the upgrades. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. I, 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 I feel... Uh, yeah, I like pat my 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 pouch and stuff. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I, I ain't got nothing to give back to you. It's a gift. You don't have to give me anything. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, tell you what, I, I, I actually, I like fish out a slip of paper and I give this to him and I say, uh, I've been, I've been working on. This sounds dumb. I've been working on poetry. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, this is a Humboldt original. It ain't worth nothing now, but maybe one day. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, he takes a look at it. What does it say? <laughs> there once was a dragonborn thief who kept a curved sword in his sheath. The ladies all loved him, but please don't begrudge him, for his lightning move came from his briefs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm sold. One day uh, I'm going to make it big, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <of> our age. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Locke sees it, and he chuckles and goes, that's not half bad. Hey, thanks. All right. There you go. Equal trade. <laughs> sure. 
(laughs) (laughs) And he kind of like awkwardly like pats you on the shoulder and he goes, all right, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. So no, so that's all right. Like, all right, end yeah. the scene. Thank you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys uh, awkwardly yeah. part ways. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, you have you have your gun for when you Perfect. level up. All right, exciting. Thank you. So in the meantime, you can use it. You just still do not have proficiency with the weapon until you level up and take your fighter subclass. Perfect. Okay, thank you. No um, problem. So I'd actually like to approach Luckbeak after this entire scene goes down. Marco approaches, pulling like the, some more of the dead skin off of his uh, gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. Uh, listen, he's trying his best to keep it contained, but um, says to Luckbeak, "Is like this is uh, interesting. Are you trying to pick up a new trade?" What? Oh, what? The po- you didn't hear? I mean, could you hear? Fuck. I, all right. I did, all I saw was he handed you a gun. I was trying my best to give uh, as much yeah. privacy as I could. Oh, the gun. Yeah, because I, I ain't doing... Yeah, I'm, I'm taking up gunslinging. Yeah. Uh, you um, know, just what, trying it out. What did you think I was talking about? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, Marco's going to breeze past that. And <laughs> just says, uh, <laughs> he just kind of like, was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you're, you're, you're going to try your hand at the, uh, at the gun. Yeah, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking it out. I mean, I'm, I've been practicing with Locke a little bit, so yeah, why not, right? I'm, I mean, I ask this in all, you know, love and affection as your friend, but uh, you've ne- you've never found a fight that you've ever wanted to engage in. Yeah, it's the nice thing about guns, ain't it, Marco, is that I can, like, not have to engage. <laughs> like, shoot, run, shoot, run. Like, I don't know. It's kind of the perfect tool for a coward, ain't it? I mean, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, wizard's kind of the same way, right? Well, yeah, I guess it was more along the lines of um, you seem to have had a problem with the the act of engaging in combat, not the distance. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, if it ain't got, if ain't got capacity to to know that, you know, I don't know. I don't want to kill nothing. Got a family. I don't want to kill nothing that got friends or, but you know, a, a, a an illthid or a. I don't know. One of those things. I don't mind killing them. Just think of, you know, if you're thinking about that, that's just the mark that you are a really good man. Oh, God. What? It, did I, is it? It might actually be my birthday. Why are y'all being so nice to me today? Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> Even though it's my birthday, Marco, I'm about to give you the present. Uh, and I, he does fish out uh, the medallion and the bracelet. Uh, and he gives them to Marco, and he says, "Now listen, between this and that ring, I keep finding goddamn magic items for you. I want something <laughs> cool, but uh, shit, this will have to do for the moment. So here, what if I uh, give you the promise that if I come across anything that you'd ever want, um, it's yours. Ah, the most magical I... item of all—a promise. <laughs> I think at this point I'm uh, kind of in your debt, Luckbeak. This is now what uh, item three. I think so, something like that. Yeah, that uh, that necklace. Uh, you can you know read people's brains like uh, the uh, Ravnus's hair, and uh, the bracelet. I don't know, got a bunch of uh, wacky spells in it. I guess. I I really hope you wrote them down when the DM said them, because he ain't gonna repeat them. <laughs> oh fuck! Because uh, I was about to literally ask Nick that. <laughs> I will copy the info into the chat. <laughs> oh bless you. And Marcus like spells you say. Yeah, I know. I, detect thoughts, you say. Uh, <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy free spells. I got plenty of detect thoughts. Yeah, now I got a slight problem, though. Um, I'm one uh, magic item encumbered in terms of attunement. Uh, 
Hmm. Actually, you know what? Uh, Marco is going to fish out the uh, stone of luck that he's been holding on since the beginning and says, I'll tell you what, at least to pay you back a little bit and gives you the stone of luck and says, I think that you might make more use of that than I would. All right. What's that do again? Um, It basically boosts all of your stats and abilities by one. Whoa, what? That's wild. Okay. You made fun of it when it was one of the (laughs) options for you to take. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because you're like, stone of luck, that sounds fake. <laughs> <laughs> how many, wait, how many magic items can we be attuned to? Three. Three. Oh, yeah. it's perfect. Okay. So all my, all my stats. So yeah, yeah, take it. Oh man, Marco, I feel stronger and smarter and quicker and better at eating poison. Thank you. <laughs> Just don't mention it. At, at that point, uh, Brawla walks up and she goes, Luckbeak, I heard you were writing limericks. Oh, uh, God damn it. <laughs> Marco yeah, I... stealthing his way out of that. <laughs> I, uh, I have one for you if you want to hear it. All right, I'll take it. Go ahead. I once met a witch on Celine who took quite the liking to me, but what she did with her wand, I just couldn't go on, and now I lay eggs when I sneeze. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, I like the uh, slant rhyme of Celine and me. That's, that's workable, but man, that's a good, good, good first draft. Uh, it's based on a true story. You lay a bro. I gotta go. <laughs> I thought this scene ended like half an hour ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, anything else that you guys wanted to do? Um, yes. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so this is something I wanted to do like that same night. Um, sure. So, how much jerky is in a ration, Nicholas? Um, a ration is like designed to be like a day's worth of food. Right. So, yeah, depending on like what the ration is, it could be a number of things. If it's like just jerky, it's probably like a whole pack of jerky. Okay. I don't know how much a whole pack of jerky is. <laughs> um, is it enough to spell something? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay. Depending on what you're trying to spell. (laughs) I'm very fascinated to see where you're going with this. Yeah, here's here's my idea. So I'm sort of imagining that during that conversation, like around the time Brawla sort of like gets over there and is like, I have a limerick. Um, Ravenous is going to sort of kind of like sneak off. Another question. Does Luckbeak have a particular... um, space that's like his own since the ship is sort of like so crowded uh no you guys never really had your own space on the storm rig it was basically whatever little corner you can carve out for yourself um and especially now okay but i mean you could like look to see if like luckbeak left his pack anywhere see if you like made camp or any anything like that right that's sort of what she's looking for right now a little space that luckbeak is like definitely going to go to fucking prank on me (laughs) Prank master Ravnus. You can you can kind of see where Luckbeak has like kind of stashed his stuff for now. Okay, yeah. So um, so Ravnus is uh, here's what she's going to do. Um, she's going to take her jerky and also some of her hemp and rope, and um, and just like other things that are in like a ration. She's going to use one of her rations um in front of his little thing to spell it like happy birthday and then with her <laughs> rope like in like cursive you know sort of writing try to arrange his name so it looks like it says happy birthday <laughs> okay um 
This is the ultimate gaslighting. I thought I did. <laughs> um, for fun, uh, okay. why don't you go ahead and just make me a dexterity check to see how well you can arrange these oh, no. letters to see how legible oh, they're going to be. Okay. All right. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That was a nine. Okay. Um, you think it looks pretty good? I mean, all things considered, it's jerky and like a little bit of like rope strands, but you, you're you pretty sure you could read it. Okay. she She's going to sneak back and try to like not be noticed that she's like sneaking back so that he'll just find it like on his own later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Luckbeak, whenever you go back to your pack, uh, you see there on the ground uh, some bits of dried meat and some rope strands um, that says... Happy uh, Bird Dad Larry. Yep. What is that supposed to mean? (laughs) 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 The fuck is Larry? (laughs) Larry? I got a message for... I'm going to wander through the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) people are looking at you weird (laughs) (laughs) pranked oh man (laughs) pranked Ravnus got you good (laughs) ultimate prankster Ravnus oh Oh my fucking Christ wow Ravnus Kutcher (laughs) all right so night passes on to the next day. You know that by the end of this day, you'll reach the edge of the storm and get to town and finally be off this rock because you're pretty sure the Void Fair will be back by now. <laughs> How long has it been in total? It's been like almost two weeks ish. Okay. Time um, time is an illusion. Sure. Um, <laughs> don't think about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to probably approach Diego at some point during this time. Sure. So. Yeah, I think the first opportunity I would actually walk up to Diego. He's sitting there with the anthropologist Colette. Okay, yeah. I walk up and say, Diego, Colette, how's it going? Uh, Marco, um, as good as it can be. We did lose a lot of people, but everyone that's here seems to be doing well. That's good. Um, uh, My condolences, I'm sure that it was quite challenging for you. Um, Yes, it's not easy, but... If it's any consolation, it, we did learn a lot, but that doesn't make up for the lives we lost. Yes, um, I suppose before we got there, I wanted to go over just a couple of things. Um, well, first, would you? He kind of he's gonna hold out the items um, that like we gave him. He's like, would you like these back? <sighs> <laughs> Fucking narc. <laughs> we. Uh, it's like, I. Uh, I found them on whenever we were going through the dig site and was going to return them. <laughs> Make a deception check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, 19. Um, That's way better than I thought I would get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes, oh, well, that's very thoughtful of you, Marco. Um, he thinks about it for a moment. And he turns to Colette. Were we able to recover Colo's notes on these items? And Colette nods and goes, we were actually. Um, um, she made sure they were well protected and we were able to recover them. Diego will nod and look back to you, Marco, and says, you know what? Keep them. Thank you. You have been instrumental in helping us here. 
not only in aiding in our research, but helping us deal with this sudden disaster. It is the least I can do to show my appreciation. Thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated. Um, also, the the others we can talk about when you're ready, but this one I wanted to uh, extend an apology um, for what it's worth. And he actually like flashes the ring on his finger. Um, uh, one of my associates took this from your site before it was trashed and is deeply um, sorry. But it turns out that this actually has some very valuable information on it. I think that you'd be interested in whenever you are, uh, well, I guess mentally prepared to, uh, to receive it. Um, he'll nod and he'll say, I understand. It's all right. Um, we can talk about this, uh, when we get back to the Enclave on Nadir Anchorage. Of course, I figured as much, but, you know, just to let you know before we parted ways that, uh, there's a great deal of information to be shared, so I look forward to that meeting. Diego nods and, you know, the conversation ends. And uh, as you're walking away, you hear Cyrus in your head go, I hope you trust these people. Is there any reason that I shouldn't? I mean, well, we're in the same organization and Diego has been nothing but kind to me. I trust your judgment, but I don't know them. I'd like to think I know you in the time that we spent together these last few days, but... I would hope that learning about me and the knowledge that I know um, wouldn't lead to them, I guess, taking me away and preventing me from perhaps escaping this ring once more. Um, uh, is there any way that Marco can make an insight check on that to look back at Diego or Colette? Well, so I would say, yeah, that, an insight check is like more kind of reading the current situation. Uh, you don't fair. know either of them too terribly well. You definitely know Diego seems to be in incredibly driven. He's a lot like you in that regard. And, and you kind of get the impression that it might have been him being a little bit blinded by his ambition that kind of led to the release of the Neothalids. To some degree, he's not entirely guiltless in that. But he generally does seem like a good person. So uh, that's just from like what you know about him. As for kind of like knowing or being able to like maybe glean how he would react to this information, you really don't know unless you ask him about it and kind of see if you can gauge his reaction. Uh, Cyrus, did you, whenever you were actually recovered from them, did you hear anything, then talking about anything that might, I, I'm just trying to gauge why, you know. The first person that I spoke to since my demise was your Doar companion. If they were the ones that recovered the ring, no one put it on. Which makes sense. They had no way of knowing it wasn't cursed. I would take the same precautions upon finding a magic ring in an ancient ruin. Fair enough, I suppose, to each their own. <laughs> I would have jammed my finger right in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could be talking to somebody ancient, or I could be cursed. It's 50-50, really. Let's roll them bones. Um... <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, with the information that Cyrus gave him, kind of mind-fucked him just a little bit. So I think Marco is just going to kind of sit to himself for a bit after that, and I'll call it a day. Mm -hmm. All right, so a couple hours pass, gnomes trade off. There is a rumble. The ground shakes, and it shakes the whole storm rig. Lugnut is driving at the moment, but you'll see, like, camshaft and gasket kind of swear and, like, run up to the top. Um, I'll join him, because... Here we go again. Mm -hmm. Locke is going to be up there as well. I guess I cautiously join as well. Ravnus, you going up too? Yep. And Ezerath will as well. 
So yeah, as you get up there, there's another shake, like an earthquake almost. It shakes the whole storm rig as you're rolling. And as you get up there, you see that Gasket is kind of pointing behind the storm rig. And you can see through the haze of the storm something rising out of the ground. It is nothing more than like a dark shadow, a mass through the storm, but it's rising out of the ground and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what's scary is, is it doesn't appear to be getting further away. So it's rising out of the ground and also seeming to move with you. There's this rumbling, this gigantic mound of a mass through the storm. Does it look worm-like? Like, can we just like... This is much larger than a Neothalid. Oh. oh. Like, the Neothalid was very large, but still, like, a worm that was, like, maybe two feet in diameter, but just, like, fucking long and, you know, would rear up to be about, like, 30 feet tall. This mm-hmm. gigantic mass is probably, like, as wide as one of the Neothalids was long. Ugh. And is a couple hundred feet away through the storm. You can't make out any details other than this mass rising out of the ground and moving in pace behind the storm rig. Yikes. I'm going to turn to one of the riggers on deck. Is that is that normal? <laughs> Camshaft will say, fuck no, that's not normal. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what are we... What do you? What do we want us to do? What do we do? Uh, well, I'm just gonna hope it doesn't catch us. Okay, shall I shoot at it? I have a gun now, and I feel like everything's a target. <laughs> I'm an irresponsible gun owner. <laughs> On the bright side, I don't think you'll miss. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh Jesus! You see, coming from this large mass, bursting into the radius of the storm shield, one of the neothalids. The normal size Neothalid. And then another one. And they seem to be coming at the storm rig. I need everyone to roll for initiative. Oh, for fuck's sake. God damn it. Nicholas. Nicholas, please. Nicholas, how dare. (laughs) I'm so glad that people have, like, friends of ours have given us dice, so I know exactly who to blame with (laughs) things happening. Alrighty. Uh, anybody get higher than a 20? Oh. 20! 20! Natural 20! <laughs> I'm just so so used to uh, nobody uh, saying shit <laughs> until I get to, like, the low 10s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, 10 to 15, then. Yeah, Ravenous got a 13. And uh, uh, I have an 8. Okay, Marco got an 8. All right, Luckbeak, uh, you are first. Uh, so how far away is this Neothalid to us? There are two Neothalids, oh, right. actually, and they are both probably about 40 feet from the storm rig. Uh, oh, Nick, did you give me the, uh, damage on the pistol? Uh, I have that information right here. Uh, let's see. Pistol, 1d10 piercing, normal range 100, long range 400, reload 4, which means you can shoot 4 times before having to use an action or attack to reload. Okay, got you. So, like, if you had multiple attacks, you could reload with just one of your attacks instead of the full action. Right, okay. And the gun does misfire when you roll a 1 okay. on attack rolls. got you. The Gale Pierce spear will probably come in handy right now, right? Uh, so the storm is being held at bay by the shield. 
So there isn't any like storm winds at the moment. Right. But if we were going to like yeet it into the storm. It would yeah. Be... It would be completely unaffected by the storm. Okay. But we would lose it. Yes. Okay. Just knowing what my <laughs> options are. Uh, okay. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll take a knee and I will line up the best I can with uh, one of the Neothalids. I will aim using my bonus action to aim. And then I will take a, a shot at uh, at whichever one is closer to us. Okay, go ahead and roll. Okay, so aim is advantage, right? Yes. So that's a three and a one. So I'll go with a three. <laughs> so my gun uh, doesn't jam. That misses. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I uh, I look around sheepishly for Locke as a hey, fall back. Locke is kind of he he's not paying attention. <laughs> it's actually his turn. He is going to shoot. Uh that one is going to hit and second shot is going to miss. 10 points of damage. Okay, then Ezerath, uh it's her turn. She doesn't have anything to she, any ranged bullshit. Uh you know what she does? She actually has uh some throwing knives. So yeet <laughs> and miss. <laughs> All right, Ravnus. Yeah, Ravnus doesn't... She has, like, some range stuff, but I think that she would actually be more useful sort of, like, going up to the edge and preparing an attack if one gets into range. Because I don't want her to throw her spear, like, immediately. Right, right. Because it does look like these things are bearing down pretty quickly. Yeah, so she's going to go up to where it sort of looks like one is about to come down and to get her sword out and ready an attack. Sounds Good. Marco, your turn. Are these creatures like close together or are they spread out? Uh, they are coming in tandem, but they're maybe 30 feet apart from each other. Okay, 30 feet, so they're close enough. Um, I'm going to cast slow on both of them, um, and they are going to need to make wisdom saving throws, both of them. Uh, one was a dirty 20, and the other was a 5. All right, so the dirty 20 is good. The one with the five, their speed is half, negative two to AC and dexterity saving throws. And they can take a action or bonus action, but not both. Okay. And then at the end of their turn, they get to make another save. All right, cool. It is their turn. That one immediately like back into the storm because it can now no longer move fast enough to keep up with the storm rig, let alone like gain on it. The other one, however, comes right on up, slithering very fast. And Ravnus, it is within range. Bonk. Bonk him with the sword. (laughs) Go to horny jail. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That is a 17 plus six, which I think is a 23. That hits. Alrighty then. Um, that sucks. That's one plus six for sword damage and six psionic. Okay. 13 total. Okay. And for the second one, 10 and six is 16. 16 hits. 13 plus four psionic. So 17 total. Cool. Yeah. Slash, slash. Um, you put deep gashes into it with your sword that is glowing purple. Cool. Uh, it is continuing, and like as it slithers up, like it almost slithers up and like almost over you as you slash at it. It's going to attack Marco with its tentacles. Rude. That is going to be a 17 to hit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, you take 21 bludgeoning damage. Jesus. Ooh. 
and 13 psychic damage. Whoa. We've like had time to recover from the last fight, yes, right? Yes, yes. It's, it's been a day. Okay. Ow. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, and it is, it's almost like, like as it slithers, it slashed at you with its tentacle as it's going, and it continues over top of the storm rig, and it actually crashes into the mast that contains what's generating the storm shield, and that just, the weight of it just severs it. And it goes, fling, and lands on the ground. Oh. And suddenly, the storm just closes in around you, and you're enveloped in sand and wind. You hear the distant sound of two more Neothalids and through the storm. Uh, Luckbeak, it is your turn. At the start of your turn, you take one bludgeoning damage from being just buffeted by sand and wind. Okay. Um. Are there any like uh, like portholes down below? Like I could be in shelter and still shoot, take pot shots at the things. There, there is. It's not like specific like windows, right. but there are like kind of openings, like almost arrow slit kind of deals. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that was like made for that function, but just like due to the nature of the construction of this thing, there are things that you can like kind of peek through. Yeah, then I'm going to retreat down below. As I go down, I'm saying, it, it looks like I'm running away, but I'm not. I'm actually, I'm just, just uh, all right, never mind. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's purple lightning off around the storm rig as you duck down inside. All right, terrifying. Uh, and then I'm uh, I'm holding my action if I can get there and then still hold an action at one of the portholes. So actually, you can see the oh, can. the neotelid. Yeah, because it, it like came and went over the storm rig and is now on the other side. And when you go down there and look, it's like four feet out the other side. Is you just like the side of its wormy body. Okay. Then I'm going to take a deep breath and center myself one more time, look down my sights, mm-hmm. and take a shot. So that would be a eight. Jesus. An eight? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm blaming this on Locke. He was a bad teacher. <laughs> Clearly, this gun he gave you is faulty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. That's exactly what it is. He's trying to sabotage me. He knows I'm getting better than him. Oh, shit. That's it. Yeah, you fire, and it, it just ricochets off the edge, and since the bullet okay. still goes through, but it like sends it spiraling off to one side. Sure. Locke is going to take some shots. First one is going to hit for 10, and second one's going to miss. Ezrath. That one is close enough that she's going to punch it. Um, that hits. Six bludgeoning plus nine psychic. And she'll do it again and miss. But yeah, her punches have like a similar purple flash to them as Ravnus's strikes. All right, Ravnus. Um, the Neothalid is now like on the other side of the storm rig, but you can get to it with your movement. Yeah. But you take. But she's buffeted by the storm. Yes. <laughs> you take three points of damage from the storm. Locke and Ezerath took that as well. Locke took one, Ezerath took six. Ouch. Jeez Louise, what do you have against the git? <laughs> it's a D6. Blame Max. <laughs> uh. um, yeah, she's she's going to run over and swing her sword. Okay. That is not very good, but that's a 14 to hit. Uh, that misses. Okie dokie. So take two. That's a lot better. That's going to be a 21. That does hit. So that is four um, psionic and 10 regular, so 14 total. Okay, cool. Marco. 
So, Marco... You take five points of damage from the storm. Ooh. Um... Where are you at? Five. Oh, shit. Uh... Oh, hell, okay. Um... I don't think I should risk it for the biscuit. Uh, Marco is going to crawl his way down to seek shelter. When you move out of its range, it's going to take an attack of opportunity on you. Um, can I use my action to disengage? Uh, you can use your action to disengage. That is what I am doing. Um, <laughs> I am using my action to disengage, get over to the door, and I'm just going to flop in and just say to anyone, I need healing. And that's my turn. Okay. Yeah, when you do that and say, I need healing, everybody kind of looks around and like kind of shrugs. Diego is like, I don't, I don't have that. I'm a bloody mess. <laughs> um, all right, then. It is its turn. Well, the smart person is going. It is going to attack Ravnus. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 26 to hit. Nicholas. Uh, 21 bludgeoning, 13 psychic. Ooh, ouch. Oh, jeez, Louise. Okay, she's down more than half. And you see the shadows of three more Neothalids approach within probably about 20 feet of the storm break. And you do notice that the giant mass that has been there this whole time is beginning to go down. How many of these things did you release? Oh. <laughs> Marco's screaming to himself. <laughs> yeah. Diego's downstairs, like, try not to meet anyone's gaze. <laughs> uh, Ezerath is going to see that and say, maybe we should get inside. But that's the end of the Neothelian's turn. Luckbeak. Yeah, uh, I'm going to come over to Marco. Hey, buddy. All right. I, I got you. I got you. No worries. Um, and uh, I'm going to feed 20 hit points into him. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Yeah. So the three of you, Marco, Luckbeak, and Ravnus, you see your vision go opaque for a moment. You see the starry void beyond and the astral connection connects the three of you. So like Ravnus, even though you're up on top, you kind of like can see Luckbeak and Marco kind of like through the storm rig down below and the tethers form and the gith symbols appear on all three of your foreheads. And Luckbeak, you lose 20 hit points and Marco, you gain 20 hit points. All right. I can fight. Nope. Don't do that. <laughs> Ravnus, when that happens, Ezerath is wide-eyed at you and is like white as a sheet. Uh... What the fuck was that? Uh... Uh, it's her turn. She's not doing anything. Oh, shit. Locke is going to take some shots at the Neothalids. First one hits. Uh, second one hits. Uh, Marco, it's your turn. Um, I'm going to go back up, open the door, the first Neothalid I see him just fireball. Okay. I I'm yelling after you. Marco, stop! <laughs> I've healed enough. Eat. <laughs> see. It, it, uh, it failed. It had a natural one. All right, so... You do take six points of damage when you enter the storm. That's fine. I, I can not die from that alone. I didn't die from sand. They're just getting sandblasted. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. So that is thirty. Okay. Damn. Yeah, I got I got some pretty solid rolls on that one. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um. Okay. Thirty. Uh. Ravnus. Uh. You take four points of damage from the storm. Um. Yeah. Ezerath is like just staring you down. Like, what the fuck was that? She didn't take her turn dumbfounded yeah Ravnus is at 16 hit points right now um 
So she is going. So the the plan that I'm sort of hearing is basically that like we're just a little bit fucked right now and should like go inside. Is that like mm -hmm. correct? Okay. That was Ezra's suggestion before she witnessed something oh. that she can't believe. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that, that generally still seems to be the best plan. Uh, she is going to try to grab uh, Marco and Ezrath and go back inside the storm rig. I'm saying I am probably like right next to the door, so yeah, you have to get to me. Locke is going to start inching his way back that way. Yeah, you can do that. Ezrath pulls her arm out of your hand, but will go to follow you regardless. As you begin moving down, the Neothalids approach and go past the storm rig. Uh, what? Even the one that you hit continues past, almost like it was just attacking you because you were in its path. Hmm. So something else is back there, is what I'm hearing. Or it's going for something else. Mm. Yeah, something smarter than our entire ship combined. Maybe the Voidfarer. <laughs> it's Jack and Tatter's shit. <laughs> <laughs> our savior is here. <laughs> Yeah, Jack and Tatters has a 45 <laughs> intelligence. We just never knew. <laughs> we are out of rounds because the Neothalans continue and they go. They're moving fast, faster than it seems that they're normally able to go. You guys go back down. Marco, from what you've learned about Neothalids, they're attracted to intelligence, but it's not individual intelligence. It's like collective intelligence. Mm, so if okay. there's enough people close enough together, that would draw it more. Oh, uh, Marco looks and just says, um, Storm's Edge is where they're in, and yeah, he just stutters, we're, we're getting close to Storm's Edge, that's where they're going. Hey there, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and one vaccinated boy. I am now on my way to being resistant to COVID damage. Thank you for listening to the show. This is the finale of chapter four. It's been the biggest chapter yet, and it still feels like our story is just getting started. We have some fun things planned before we kick off chapter five. Firstly, we'll do another Uncharted episode discussing this past chapter. If you have any questions for the cast, ask away on our social media or drop them in the Project Derailed Discord, and we'll answer them on the show. Secondly, we'll be doing a special episode with a handful of guests featuring several interlude mini one-shots that will be canonical glimpses into what's happening elsewhere in Crotspace. And who knows, maybe these new characters will cross paths with the Voidfarer crew down the road. If you're liking what you're hearing, consider giving us a follow on social media, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Let us know what part of Chapter 4 was your favorite. I'm actually going to break format and jump right to our second sponsor, ourselves. That's right. Project Derailed has just launched our Patreon. If you enjoy Tales of the Voidfarer or our other content like the podcasts, Fables Around the Table and Big Streaming Pile, we would love it if you would consider helping us mitigate website and podcast hosting costs and generally keep making the content you love by becoming a patron. You'll get access to patron-exclusive channels on the Project Derailed Discord server, extended Q&A episodes, and a brand new patron-exclusive podcast called Derailed Off the Rails. I could tell you what that's about, but then we'd have to kill you. 
And we know this past year has been rough for a lot of people, so we totally get it if you're unable to contribute. None of the regular content you know and love is going behind a paywall, so you can continue to listen unimpeded. But if you still want to help out, a great way to support us without spending a single cent is leaving a rating and review on iTunes. We would definitely appreciate it. We're still hanging out and having fun discussions every day with cool folks like yourself over on the Project Derailed Discord server. We're even planning on doing a listening party for this very episode, Wednesday, April 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if that's later today for you, consider stopping by and hanging out with us in the chat. You can join in on the fun by going to projectderailed.com discord. As always, there's some great Tales of the Voidfarer shirt designs available on the Project Derailed Redbubble store. Check it out at bit.ly slash derailed shop. There is only one episode left of Fables Around the Table Lost, playing the beta version of Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition. Will Odell and Posey be able to escape the fiend and find their way home? What will happen to my possum boy, Reggie? Tune into the finale next week on Wednesday, April 14th to find out. Also check out Taverns, Travel, and Tests, a D&D 5e podcast inspired by meme culture and the Food Network. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song and some of the other original music this episode. And shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock version of that theme we've been jamming to all chapter. Additional music by purple-planet.com. Void for Uncharted for Chapter 4 will land on Tuesday, April 20th. Don't forget to send us any questions you have, and see you then. Well, all right. So, so, how do we warn them? Is there any uh, 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 sending? Uh, that bracelet had sending, Marco. I also have that as a, as a spell. All right. Well, I don't care about that right now. Just use it. Yeah, that's that's fair though. But, <laughs> that uh, spell that Marco could have used to contact Hannah literally any time. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about that right now. <laughs> um, all right. So I am. Do I have a good idea that the uh, Void Fair is going to be there? If if the Void Fair is on schedule, like that you discussed before you left, it should be there. Okay, so unfortunately with that information, I can't take my chances. So what I'm going to do is cast it to Fival, um, mm. my buddy mm-hmm. who's in this village. And I said, okay. uh, Fival, um, Storm's, Storm's Edge is in danger. Neothalid's coming a lot of them warn the town. Okay. Yeah. Counting out my words. Yeah. There's a moment and he goes, Marco, Neothelids. Um, I'll, I'll warn the town. Um, luckily there's a large ship here that could get everybody to safety. Also your ship, I think is here too. Great confirm. Great confirm. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> after that, um, I will cast sending again to Val. Okay. And then say, Val, it's Marco. Neothalids attacking the town. Save people. They're coming. There's a moment, and then you hear Val's voice say, I don't know what a Neothalid is, but it sounds like it's a big deal and very dangerous. So, um, all right. Uh, are you going to be here soon? Um, I you get say... the impression that Val doesn't immediately know <laughs> how sending works. She's not a magic person. Um, I'm going to... I, I have now blown all my level three spells, so I got to go into the necklace as I cast it again to Val and say, we'll say you had enough time to attune. 
Worm the size of building. And there's a lot of them. Can't do this again. Counting out, hold on. We are coming. Okay. Behind them. (laughs) All right. Val says, all right, we'll be here. That Marco is going to pat away the blood off his head and just lay back. Message got sent. Ezerath is going to get up in your face, Ravnus. You need to explain things now. Don't you think we have bigger things to worry about? No, we don't. How? I don't know. You have to know. Do you... What you just did, it's something sacred to my people, the Githzerai. Something that only the elite Githzerai can do. The fact that your companions, and especially you being a Gith Yankee, can do this is blasphemy. How? Uh, Ravnus will kind of glare at her about that, and uh, she says... I don't know. It's something we've been able to do since we met each other. Impossible. It's a ritual. A Gitsurai Anarch has to perform it. And no Anarch would have done it on a non-Gitsurai. Only those chosen can receive this ritual. Then it sounds like you'll have to take it up with them. No elder I know would have performed this ritual. You had to have coerced them somehow. I don't know. Would your elders fall that easily for a Gith Yankee wanting to know a sacred ritual? Look, I I don't understand this. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how you did it. Magically charmed them? I don't know. But what I just saw should have been impossible. Well, it's not. Locke is going to say, I think we do have more pressing issues. Ezeraf will kind of huff and go, we're not through with this. I will find out how you did this. And she's going to like kind of turn and not really have anywhere to go. So she just kind of like sits down. (laughs) (laughs) This was an awkward fight to start. (laughs) Yeah. Like the other fucking like random 22 people (laughs) are just kind of like staring awkwardly (laughs) (laughs) oh no yeah (laughs) ravenous is probably going to uh glare daggers back at her and and, like she huffs as well and like turns around (laughs) from her so they're not facing the same direction presumably anymore trying to like forget that the other one's there (laughs) yeah so yeah, everybody kind of settles in. It is even more crowded because now, like, the top level isn't accessible because the storm is now broken through the shield. So there's even more people crammed below deck. So it is a very comical clown car levels of crowded, to quote Tom from the Discord chat right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you continue riding for another couple hours. You can take a short rest um, and heal that way if you like. Right. Yeah, totally. And you have a moment to kind of strategize a little bit, not quite knowing what to expect when you get to Storm's Edge. Um, I think that I would bring up to uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak as soon as everything settles down and says, so um, what are we going to do whenever we get there? We got a major situation on our hands. I mean, I... 
I, I don't know what what we're supposed to do. I mean, we can't fight them. I mean, I mean, people are evacuating, hopefully. I don't think we do anything but get on the void fair and just get the hell out of here, right? I think that's the idea, but uh, we need to think about what we do if we can't get to the void fair or the void fair has already left. It's a possibility, especially if they're saving people. I guess. I mean, I I don't... I don't really see a future for us if we don't get to the Void Fair. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here, but like. I'm going to look over and just like scream through the room. Diego, how many of these things did you release? We only counted five. Okay, so there was more. Cool. Well, you killed the one and you saw four here. That doesn't account for the giant mound that mass through the storm. Um, but that was way bigger than a Neothalid. Yeah, I guess my thought on that one was like, let's just assume it was just a gaggle of them, because I have no idea what it is. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're not you're not sure. There are plenty of gigantic beasts. So yeah, so if that's all the discussion that's going to happen, uh, we can fast forward to the action. Yeah, another hour or so passes with everybody huddled below decks. Several of the smaller individuals, the couple gnomes that aren't driving, and uh, there's a couple halflings among the seekers. They are kind of sitting on Dipstick, the giant space hamster, <laughs> which just him being there is just a massive inconvenience at this <laughs> point because just there's so many fucking people here. You have a, also have a grizzly bear sized space hamster. Oh, I, I'm going to squeakers him, man. Oh, no, 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 no. Tashi is, is in your pocket. Okay. Dipstick cannot be squeakered. Oh, um, he no. does not have the special magic collar. So he's just pancake mode. And like I said, some of the oh. smaller folk in here are sitting on his back, which he seems to be enjoying just fine. But it's, it's at the point where that became a necessity. <laughs> we are all stressed out right now. We need an emotional support space hamster. Yeah. This is good. Mm -hmm. Yes. We needed that soft break of levity, you know. Between everyone is going to die, and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Azeroth, that was not the time. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Serious business. Um, You're just trying to sink my ship. I'll try. <laughs> Don't give up yet. All right, so uh, another hour or so passes, and eventually um, you can see through the viewports of the storm rig light as you've breached the edge of the storm. And when that happens, Locke and the gnomes and Brawla and Brohane will go up top. I imagine you guys do as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Gadman and the dwarves and the Seekers seem content to stay below for now. And when you do come out, you see that you're still like good kilometer or so away from the actual town. Even at this distance, it appears that the town is in disarray. <laughs> it seems like there is ongoing chaos. Yeah, you see trails of smoke rising from the town, and you can even see at this distance the four neothalids in different parts of the town. As you get closer and closer, you see that there is a group of armed individuals that are fighting two of the Neothalids. There's probably about 25 to 30 people. They look like they're the like ramshackle guards or whatever the equivalent this small town has. They seem to be keeping two of the Neothalids occupied. 
if not being as super immediately effective. You see one of the Neothalids seems to be attacking the blacksmith's forge in the tent city, where you know a bunch of dwarven refugees were there being trained in blacksmithing. From this distance, you see that there is a giant stone dwarven ship set down on the edge of town. It is like easily two or three times the size of the dwarven draugr that you fought on the Voidfarer. But it's the same style of ship. It's an enclosed ship carved out of stone with like the large circular ring hovering on the backside with dwarven runes etched into it and the rings on the side. This ship seems to be like a larger like hauling ship. And you see one of the other Neothalids appears to be trying to attack the stone ship. Um, but you notice as you get closer, there's three smaller stone ships that look like they'd be like maybe one or two man ships that are flying around firing crossbow bolts at that Neothalid as they fly by. Um, you would imagine they're like smaller ships that are there to support the large hauling ship. Um, and you actually see the Voidfarer set down there as well. It's metal landing gear mechanisms folded out. But yeah, you roll into this chaos and it looks like as you roll up, there is another storm rig in the Leadfoot Servo. And you see that there's gnomes frantically getting it fueled up and ready to go. And your storm rig rolls to a stop. From here, it looks like there's a large crowd of people that are like at the gangplank to the Voidfarer. It looks like they're really rowdy. And uh, there's definitely commotion happening there. Um, there is another group uh, not far away near the large dwarven ship, uh, but not as many people. But it also looks like there's commotion going on. Um, definitely looks like large groups of people trying to board these ships. Oh, and you can also see that the, what looks like the tavern, there was a cantina um, that was like next to the Leadfoot Servo. That looks like it has been collapsed. And you can make out the form of Fival Thalonir attempting to move some large rubble with what looks like a zombie and two skeletons. Mm. There's a lot going on right now. What do you guys do? Um, We're not going to go into combat per se. If I feel like I need to, we may roll initiative, but the rounds will be a little bit more fluid. They're not going to be like six second combat rounds. They'll just be a way for us to like organize and jump around the action. But this is going to be more of like a you know, what do you do? And we'll like kind of adjudicate it as we go. Also, there's a bunch of NPCs around. So do not be afraid to give orders to people if you want and feel like that'd be something your character would do. So, yeah. Yeah, I think our two priorities are basically like making sure our presence is known to the Voidfarer and like trying to save as many people as possible. Yeah. I think we can start with the people on this ship. Uh, so... I mean, can we kind of lead them to the Voidfarer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that first then. Sure. So um, yeah, you disembark this storm rig and start heading that way. Immediately without question, Diego and his seekers are going to follow you. Um, it seems his intent is to go where Marco's gonna go. Yeah. Uh, you guys are quickly overhear the gnomes talking and it sounds like their plan is there is another settlement about a hundred miles southeast of here. And their plan is to get the storm rig fueled up and take people there because there's a small jamming port that they can get off the planet that way. So there's the other storm rig and they say, we actually have a second alchemical engine we can hook up to your storm rig to get it fueled up fast rather than trying to swap cores. Locke is actually going to say, all right, I'll go with you then uh, to the gnomes. It seems like he's going to escort them on his motorcycle to make sure they get there safely. 
Uh, uh, all right. You, you, you're not coming to the Void Fair, Locke? No. These gnomes can still use protection. If they're going to try to make it to Wind Hollow, I'll see that they get there. Then I'll get off the planet. All right, you stay safe, man. You do the same. Hope to see you around. And when I do, you best know how to use that thing. He says, nodding to the gun on your hip. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. All right, uh... And uh, he'll nod to you and then turn to the gnomes and say, I'll buy you some time. And he gets on his motorcycle and <laughs> drives off with his rifle on his shoulder. And uh, you see him in the distance kind of level it at one of these neothalids and fire. And it looks like he's going to try and skirt one of them around to keep it occupied. Um, so, yeah, I think the first thing then for all pe- all par- other parties, uh, start leading them to the void fair. And then I got things I would like to do. I yell... All named characters onto the ship, quick. <laughs> They're all named. <laughs> yeah, well, sorta. I mean, <laughs> you get to the void fair, and there's a large throng of people at the base of the gangplank, and they seem to be kind of pushing and shoving, and there's like arguing and fighting happening. And uh, as you guys approach and try to like push your way up there, a guy kind of turns and kind of shoves you, Marco, and goes like, "Hey, you don't have to wait your turn like the rest of us." This is our ship, asshole. <laughs> Ravenous is going to try to punch the guy. You're going to try to punch the guy? Roll an attack roll. Yeah. <laughs> I stepped back and then I was like, oh, shit, I got protection. <laughs> um, That is uh, uh, 19. <laughs> that fucking hits him. Uh, you're not proficient in unarmed, um, I don't believe. So it's just one hit point of damage plus strength. Uh, so that is uh, four, so five. Yeah. <laughs> that kills him. You knock him out just cold. Boom. <laughs> and he just collapses and his buddy kind of catches him under the arms. And a third guy goes and swings to punch you, Ravnus. Oh, shit. <laughs> but that's only a nine. Uh, no, it does not hit. Um, uh, tensions are high and like they're ready to fucking brawl. Oh, shit. But <laughs> at that point, uh, you hear, Oi, they're with us. They're crew, you idiots. And you see there's Val standing on the gunwale with one hand on the ropes. If you want any chance of getting on here, you're going to treat the crew with respect. They kind of take that and back off um, because getting on board is definitely something that they desperately want. The crowd still doesn't part to let you to the gangplank and Val kind of sigh. (sighs) Happy, throw them down a rope ladder. And you see from the deck, there's a person up there that you don't recognize. A tabaxi that is hairless, very surly looking, a face all wrinkled up into a scowl. And he nods at uh, Val and throws a rope ladder over the side. Um, Happy? Are they already replacing us up there? (laughs) (laughs) Be careful, they're attracted to large crowds, especially ones with high intelligence. Noted. Uh, get up here. We'll see what we can do about getting these people on board. They don't have that much room. One second. There's one other person I need to get. All and, right. Uh, hurry up. I'm going to run towards Fievel. Luckbeak yes. uh, and Ravnus, um, are you going on the Boyd Fair or are you going with Marco? Uh, um, uh, tough question. Uh, I'm going with Marco. Yeah. Ravnus will sort of like signal or vow that they're going to be up there in a second and go with Marco. Okay. Diego will uh, levitate his chair up onto the deck and uh, his seekers will start climbing the rope ladder. What's Ezerath doing? Ezerath? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, she definitely wants answers. Uh, I think she's tagging along with you guys. 
Oh, but she's All still right. like there to like help where she can. Like she's not just like being useless. And as you guys are here, you see that the Neothalid that was attacking the forge has now moved on to pursue Locke, who has been uh, hitting it with bullets and skirting it around with his motorcycle. But it looks like the forge is in a complete mess. It looks like there's a bunch of wounded. And you can see Signe Axe Carver, who was the blacksmith that you talked to, seems to be shouting some orders to some dwarves to try and uh, like help the wounded. And you actually see that Gadmund and his dwarves had ran there to see how they could help. Okay. Um, and also, you being close to the Void Fair, because you're also in the same side as where the other ship is. From here, it looks like the dwarven ship is not letting anybody on board. Hmm. Uh, no. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, well, first step is Fival for me. Okay. I don't know about the other two, but. Yeah, I'm coming with Marco. All right. All right. And Ravnus? Going with Marco. You guys go over there, and uh, Fivel is like, all right, number seven, number 13, number 14, lift with your legs, not with your back. And you see the zombie and two skeletons. Now, if you recall, he had two zombies last time you saw him. Mm -hmm. He's commanding them to lift a large piece of rubble that was once part of this cantina. Um, and the three zombies are struggling. Fivel, Fivel, what are you doing? There's people trapped under there. No. Oh. All right, uh, I, I go to the side and start lifting as well. I am going to cast uh, Conjure Minor Elemental. Okay. And I am going to cast a Gargoyle. Okay. To uh, help lift, bro. All right. Yeah, you cast the spell and a rift appears and this demonic looking stone winged creature appears through the rift. Say to it, now we lift together. It nods and steps over there with the sound of grinding stones as it walks, and it puts its claws hands underneath, and everybody lifts together. Especially with the help of the gargoyle, two undead, Luckbeak and Ravnus, you can move this giant slab of rubble fairly easily. And you see that beneath there are three individuals that come scurrying out. One is holding their arm pretty badly, but uh, for the most part, they seem to be okay. Um... With that, I am then going to look at my gargoyle and say, now you have an important job, my friend. Distract that, pointing to one of the Neothalids. Fly around, cause hell, piss it off. It nods and it flaps its stone wings and flies off. Okay. Fivel says, thank you, friends. That was the largest piece. I wasn't able to move it on my own. Um, Fivel, it's, it's, it's now time that we, we need to get out of here, especially for you. Um, it, it's attracted to intelligence, so you're, you're at risk. Just as much as I am. Oh, I'm flattered. Uh, yes, no, I agree, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, the problem is, is that your ship doesn't have the capacity to hold the entire town. And that Moonhammer ship isn't letting anybody on for some reason. We can handle that. We can try to take care of that. But, uh, I mean, we can we can also guarantee you a ride on the Voidfarer, though. He kind of looks over at, uh, I don't know if your friends can come. That is uh, all right if it comes to it. Um, I think Marco will look at the others and go, it might be best if we split up here and try to cover as much ground as possible and meet back at the Void Fair. What do you mean cover as much ground as possible? I mean, you heard him, Marco. We can't fit the whole town onto the boat. Well, one of us can at least go talk to the Moonhammers. Yeah, yeah. And if they can allow most of the town on their ship, then we can save as many lives as possible. Yeah, okay, all right. I'll go talk to them. Um, Marco should talk to them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Marco looks and kind of like rubs the back of his neck and is like, Are you sure about that? I mean, 
I'm sometimes not the best with people. Neither is Luckbeak. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, <sighs> okay, salient counterpoint. Um, you know, I make a real good first impression. I mean, it's after you get to know me that I suck. Was... <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I'll go talk to the Moonhammers. Until then, maybe you could get some more people saved. I don't know. Yeah, we'll do our best. Sure. I'll look around, see what we can find. Um, Actually, Marco is going to go back to the Voidfarer first, and he's going to scream for Brohane. Uh, yeah, Brohane is on the back of Ira. He's not on the ship yet. He's doing his best to try and use Ira to, like, corral people and, like, make sure they're not beating the shit out of each other trying to get on board. But you can run up and you can see him. Brohane, the Moonhammer ship isn't letting anybody on, and I could really use, uh, backup. <sighs> Fucking bastards. All right, lead the way. All right, and then the two of us will head that way. All right, uh, Luckbeak and Ravnus. Uh, well, Ravnus was just going to make sure no one's, like, trapped under anything. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, go ahead and make a perception check. Um, that's not very good. Uh, 12. Uh, yeah, in all of the chaos, you don't really see anybody trapped anywhere. It looks like Fievel has, like, helped get the people who are in this building free. There isn't that many other buildings here. There was a Dwarven refugee tent city that they're still, like, tending to wounded over there. But at least the Neothalid that is harrying them has been drawn off. Mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. still, like, the guards, quote-unquote, uh, that are fighting two Neothalids. They have already taken some pretty heavy losses, but they're still valiantly fighting. One of the Neothalids looks pretty considerably wounded, the other one less so, but they're both still active and dangerous. As you look over there, one of the guards is getting picked up by a tentacle and swallowed. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. Horrifying. (laughs) And at that point, the the ground shakes and stops. Oh. Okay. Um... I kind of think that, like, Ravnus is best suited right now to sort of, like, help pick off, like, the one, at least, and also try to keep an eye on, like, when things are moving. So she's probably going to draw her sword and try to uh, help the guards a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so you run up there, you draw your sword, which has that purple glow in the proximity of the Neothalids. It does look a little deeper than normal. Weird. Hmm. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you can run up. Go ahead and make, uh, go ahead and make some attacks. Um, seven plus seven is 14, which I already know does not hit. Uh, yeah, that does not hit. Uh, natural 20 hits. That does hit. Um, which one were you attacking? The one that was hurt more or the hurt less? Hurt more. She's just trying to take one out. Okay. That is um, 19 plus 9. 28 damage. How do you want to do this? <gasps> oh, she gets two. Oh, gosh. Um, so she is going to sort of like uh, run up and uh, swing once. It sort of dodges it, but it sort of like gets into almost like a better tactical position. And then she plunges her sword in, um, killing another one. Or you're killing that one. Killing that one. Another one. Another one. Uh, Another (laughs) one in in two days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This it lets out a a (laughs) scream as it collapses into a pool of acid, and the guards nearby kind of like shout a shout of victory and turn their attention to the other one. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Luckbeak. Are you doing anything in particular? 
Yeah, were there any sections of the town where, like, it seems like there might be people, but no one's been there to check on them? Is there anywhere I can help out? Uh, Like, the whole Dwarven area is in ruins. There's people over there trying to help, but that's also a big area. Yeah, uh, I'm going to run there. I think the whole time just muttering to myself, like, stupid, just save your own ass. What the, what do you think you're going to do alone? This is stupid, stupid. All right. Uh, and then I'm I'm going to the Dwarven place. Yeah. As you get up there, you see the Dwarven blacksmith, Signe Axecarver. She has some scrapes on her and uh, looks a little worse for wear. And she is currently on her knees tying a tourniquet around another dwarf's leg. And she sees you approach. Oh, fucking thanks. Uh, do, you, do you have any of healing abilities or any uh, anything like that? Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't. Um... Uh, we just, um, I'm here, there's a, uh, a, a, the, the boat's about to take off, and, and we're trying to get people on it, and I, I can't heal nobody, no. All right, uh, and she'll hand you two potion vials. Find the worse off, give them these. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got you. Uh, sure. Uh, I'm going to walk around this triage area and, uh, see who looks bad. Yeah, you see there is a couple look bad. One dwarf looks like he completely lost his arm, and another is covered in acid burns, and those are probably the worst of everyone that are still alive. Sure. Uh, Okay, Uh, I'm going to go to the one that lost his arm first, and I'm going to... uh, Are they both unconscious, or are they still cognizant? They they both look unconscious, but you can tell that they're not dead. Uh, You can see that they're both breathing. They're either unconscious or, or semi-conscious. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm overwhelmed. I, I think Luckbeak is getting flooded with, like, feeling useless and, and, and you know, uh, not sure what to do. And so he's he's feeding uh, the potion to this, uh, the one whose arm got taken off. Um, and he's just sort of, like, trying to, like, keep his breath and, like, breathe normally. And then he goes to the other one once that potion is drained, uh, the acid burn one. And um, he's starting to slow down his breathing, um, and uh, I think he, um, I, I, I think he's feeding him the potion, and he says, uh, "Hey, hey, hey, you wake." The dwarf, as he as he drinks it, uh, his his eyes flutter open. He goes, "Thank, thank you a lot." Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of course, uh, not not a problem, man. Um, okay, good, good, good. Um, I go back to check on the one whose arm got taken off is he is he still unconscious uh he is stirring awake um and he does appear to be stable now damn it looks like like they were basically at zero hit points bleeding out okay so like just the one potion is enough to like at least stabilize them still rough still beat up not gonna go anywhere anytime soon but at the very least they're not gonna die now okay okay um i run back and i say uh do you have any more of those i don't but we got the worst of them hopefully that's enough okay all right all right um uh okay is there anything else i can do uh, take take people somewhere or or you, you guys got to get out of here if we can get them to the the ship uh and she nods to the dwarven ship okay uh i the people that were knocked out were they on like like uh, uh stretchers or anything like that that i can drag they weren't but even in the time since you've seen to them some of the more able-bodied dwarves are in the process of like getting them up and like you know helping them like getting them between two dwarves just under their arms uh or on a sled type deal to to help them get over there um there's a, there's enough dwarves that seem to be 
okay enough that they can help with that. Signy definitely is giving orders to any dwarf standing around. But uh, you can, there are a few that need some help walking, so you can easily find one and help with that. Uh, yeah, okay, I do that. Yeah, as you're heading that way, you hear a soft moan under rubble. Yeah. You move it aside, and you see that there is a dwarf that has been partially crushed. And not only that, seems to have been taken taken one of the neothalid acid blasts pretty severely. Um, so not only are they crushed, but they're pretty disfigured and acid burned. Um, and they're, they're faintly crying out. Sure. I try to clear rubble off of them as well as I can. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if Luckbeak is strong enough to get all the rubble off of them just alone while the other dwarves are actually loading in people who have a chance of making it. Yeah. Um, I think, he, uh, I, it, it, this person, I'm going to say, Hey, Hey, are, are, can you understand me? Can you understand what I'm saying? I, I, uh, please. I, I can't move. Listen, man, this, I don't know if there's much that we can do for you here. Um, uh, do you want me to help you? I mean, please. Anything. I think, I think Luckbeak like starts to look around and realizes like that the, the people are packing up and getting on the ship because they're getting out of fucking town. And he goes like, I, I can, I can make it better for you. I mean, it's just going to be a second. Please. Everything hurts. All right. Uh, I think he pulls out his pistol and, uh, he kind of like, he says, uh, Hey, you look, look that way, man. Look, look, the sunset and it's, it's a real pretty night. Uh, and then he says, uh, Hey, I got to make this a little personal too. I'm sorry. I, I got to tell you, I, I killed a man once before and I said I'd never do it again. So I just need to get that off my chest. I'm so sorry. Uh, and I think I, I, I take him out. Okay. Oh, fuck beak. I just, oh. Nick, hurt me. Hurt me, Nick. Give me something. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're hurting all of us. The, the gun goes off with a resounding bang. And the dwarf slumps against the rubble blood sprayed out and stops breathing but stops groaning in pain as well alright uh, I think Luckbeak like starts to stumble his way back over to the Voidfarer sure looking like he's not really knowing where he's going okay um, we'll get back to that in a second yep alright uh, Marco you and Brohane arrive at the large dwarven ship you see well, you can't read Dwarven. There's a name of the ship written on the side of it. Mm -hmm. You do see, however, that there is the large Moonhammer seal on the ship as well. That hammer and anvil on a crescent moon. And there was a crowd of people trying to get on this Dwarven ship, but not as big as the crowd at the Void Fair. You almost get the impression that when this ship said, we're not taking anybody on, most of the people were like, well, okay, fuck, well, go to that one. Mm -hmm. And as you approach, you see that there is an armored dwarf in Moonhammer livery. Look, I told you once, we do not have room to take any refugees on. We have no room. Standing in front of this big fucking ship. And I kind of look over to Brohane and said, is that, he's full of shit, isn't he? Probably. Brohane will actually shout, there's no way you have no room on that huge fucking ship of yours. That's a huge dwarven dracar. You can take at least 300 people if you really wanted to. Nodding next to him, because I'm like, yeah. That is right. The dwarf says, 
We have full cargo. We don't have room for that many people with our cargo. That cargo's not going to go anywhere, and isn't, you know, humanoid life more important than, you know, just a couple of rocks? The dwarf is going to say, I don't have the authority to dump this much cinder shard. I look over to uh, Brohane, and I say, I am sorry for what I'm about to do here. And I said, do you realize who you're talking to? This is Brohane Windhelm. My dad owns a dealership. (laughs) If you are not in charge, then allow us to talk to your superior officer. So the dwarf is going to look at Brohane nervously and say, Look, I I would love to help these people, but the orders are coming from the captain himself. Then get him. The guard turns to one of the other dwarves and uh, makes a gesture, and that dwarf turns and goes into the ship. And I look at the Brohane again. It's like, I owe you a drink after this one. While you're kind of waiting, uh, you see one of the crew members with the Moonhammer uniform come up to you on the side, uh, kind of looking nervous. I don't think you're going to have any luck with the captain. We've already tried to convince him. Um, I look at Brohane and say, Brohane, is there any rule about challenging the captain for their ship um, in Dwarven culture? Yeah, Brohane's going to think about that and says, well, there is, but I don't think we have the time to get all of the documents in order. Oh, I was thinking more like a fight. Oh, no, I know, but I don't think there's time to get the documents in. <laughs> Markham's just going to kind of look at him for a second and, like, shrug. <laughs> you underestimate the sheer lawfulness of Dorvin society. <laughs> and I'm like, I, well, I guess I did. <laughs> and the crew member says, I'm really sorry. Look, most of the rest of the crew want to help these people as much as we can, but we can't go against the captain. All right, well, let's hear this captain. <laughs> yeah, a few minutes pass and the captain comes down Big fuck off burly dwarf, huge bushy black beard. His hair on top is slicked back, and he has an eye patch that has the Moonhammer clan insignia on the eye patch. Look, I already said we don't have any bloody room for any refugees. This ship is taken off in 15 minutes with our cargo and our crew, and that's it. Um, sir, please. There is plenty of cinder shard back in those mines, and you know there's not going to be anyone here who can pick anything. You could take these people and drop them off and come back and get it just fine. And last I checked, and he points to one of the worms, one of the neothalids, and just says, And those things aren't interested in cinder shard. It will sit here in a pile, and you could take these people to the nearest moon. As you point at it, one of the neothalids in the distance slurps up another guard. Yeah, see? Hungry for guards, not for cinder shard. Sir, please, I'm begging you, there are people here. You are condemning hundreds of people to death. Or you can leave these for, what, a few hours? And save countless lives. Look, the order to get this cinder shard off planet is coming from King Balmoral Moonhammer himself. If I were to disobey, I'd lose my bloody head. What if I stand here and protect your cinder shard the entire damn time so you can actually save these people? Make a persuasion check. Damn. Um, was, was not expecting that one. That is a 21. Marco, please. 21. Holy shit. Okay. Despite the 21, the captain seems unmoved. Look, you don't understand. My orders come from the... <laughs> a crossbow bolt lodges into his neck. I. Uh, and you look off to the side and see the guard that came and talked to you a second ago seem to have been convinced by your argument even though it wasn't directed at it some of the other 
crew members finish the job, basically, carrying out this impromptu mutiny. <laughs> and the one who shot the crossbow says, All right, let's dump the fucking rocks and get as many people on here as we can. Um, Marco is just going to, like, just say, Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. You, you've saved countless lives this day. Uh, he'll nod and turn to shout some orders. The the crowd immediately begins pushing on, and even the the refugees are basically like helping, making room to dump this cargo. Um, there is a buzz of a couple of the smaller stone craft fly by, shooting some bolts at one of the neothalids, continuing to harry it. And as you turn to head back to the void fair, the ground rumbles again. Oh, Rohan, I think it's time that we got the hell out of here. I'm inclined to agree. Let's get back to the Voidfarer, and we'll let those people know that there's room over here. Head back. Yep, as you're heading back, it looks like the storm rigs are done. They load up as many people as they can, which is only about 30 people each, which is more than you had coming back. So those are definitely at capacity. And both storm rigs roll out, and you see the couple of gnomes are on the Dust Devils, the monocycle-type devices, Mm -hmm. and lock on his motorcycle, and they roll out of Storm's Edge heading southeast to Wind Hollow, the town 100 miles away. So you're heading back to the Voidfair. Luckbeak, you get back to the Voidfair and Val basically shouts to the people to let you through and you're able to climb up the rope ladder on board. Okay. You're met with the hairless tabaxi with this perpetual scowl on his face. A pleasure to meet you. My name is Happy Winds. I am elated to make your acquaintance, he says with this perpetual scowl on his face. Uh, <laughs> I think I... Uh... I just, uh, I think I, I shake his hand sort of still in a daze and I go, no, nah, I, I ain't happy. He says, I am sorry to hear that. Myself and my companions are new. And he gestures past himself and you see that there's a, a woman, a tall, slender human woman uh, with long black hair and a ponytail with dark tan skin and like golden eyes. But standing next to her with his hands full of rope and stuff, he seemed to be running an errand for Val is a halfling who, when he sees you, he drops everything he's holding. (gasps) Flapwing? Uh, Holy shit. Merrick? And I run to embrace him. Flapwing, what are you doing here? Uh, I, 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 I hug him and in his ear, I whisper, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, He hugs you back and goes, oh, Oh. <laughs> uh, in his ear, I whisper, Merrick, we're running the long con here, bud. All right, all right. Say, say no more. What? <laughs> yeah. And uh, at that point, you hear shouts from below. Marco, Ravnus, and Brohane, you guys all get back to the Voidfair. It seems that all of the refugees have been loaded on between both ships. The second Neothalid, Ravnus, even though uh, you and the guards aren't able to defeat it, you're able to hold it back long enough for people to get on board, and then you guys can retreat to get on. Ravnus is going on the other ship. The other ship? No, no she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So you get on board, and Luckbeak, while you're having this embrace with your friend, Val will say, all right, let's get the fuck off this rock. And there's a lurch and the void bearer begins to rise. And you see across the way, the giant dwarven Drekar takes off as well. The rune engines, these stone rings floating behind into the either side of the ship spin up. And the small dwarven ships, the caravels, cruise around it to kind of escort it away. 
And as both ships lifting off the ground, you see dust kicks up and the entire town begins to fracture and fissure. And you see the gigantic maw of a creature probably like a hundred feet across break the surface and split open a four-way mouth. A neothalid bigger than any that you've ever seen before bursts out, basically obliterating the entire town, raising up out of the ground. And one of its tentacles shoots out and grabs one of the small dwarven ships and just crushes it. As the ships are flying away, and Val's like, fuck, uh, Salon, we better put some distance between us and that. And yeah, as you cruise away, you see this thing come out. And that's when you see it kind of turn and look. And you look off the other side and you see the storm rigs driving away. And the worm turns its attention at those vehicles. The two storm rigs in lock. <sighs> and this giant mass begins slowly moving in that direction. No. May I cast sending? You may. I'm going to cast sending to lock. Lock, it's Marco. Big, giant, hundred foot wide, town devouring Neothalid coming for you. Um, there's a pause, and you just hear in your mind, fuck. <laughs> and I just sit down and think, well, it was good knowing him. Seeing this, Val is gonna say, uh, maybe we can buy him some time? And uh, she's gonna shout orders to the guns and shout orders to Salon to kind of turn the Voidfarer broadside, and they unleash cannons at this thing. And it doesn't do anything. All right, another volley then. This giant worm is still beginning to move towards the, the trails of dust coming from the storm rigs, and another blast of cannon fire goes off. And from this distance, it doesn't look like it's doing shit. Um, I'm gonna burn my last sending spell mm-hmm. and say, Locke, we can't stop it. Split up. Maybe some of you will live. Um, That's the best I got. <laughs> there's no response. But you at least are confident that he got the message. Probably more concerned with dealing with the situation rather than answering. Yeah. Val calls a command out to the gunners to unleash another desperate volley. And at that point, you notice movement above you. <laughs> a ship about the same size of the Voidfarer suddenly decelerates from spell jamming speed, passing over your heads, heading towards the moon's surface. Its tentacles writhing and squirming, extended forward from its helix gel fuselage, and a lithid, not a Lloyd. The gunners finish loading the cannons, none of the crew seemingly noticing the ship's arrival. Two more decelerate nearby as well and continue past following the first. The tentacles of all three begin to part and you see the start of an arcane purple glow beginning to form between them. Then, a fourth nautiloid appears, but this one mind-boggling gargantuan, larger than the first three and the Voidfarer combined, with a keel length easily ten times that of the Voidfarer, not including its massive undulating tentacles, which on this one are covered in segmented chitinous armor. Its helix shell spiked and twisted with wicked ornamentation. 
This alithid dreadnought passes so closely above that the tops of the Voidfarer mass nearly scrape its hull. And still, none of the crew seem to notice even as they stand in this ship's shadow. Its chitinous tentacles splay out like the smaller ones, and purple energy grows in the space between. A massive beam of purple light erupts from each ship towards the surface, the three smaller beams merging with the one larger one, striking the gigantic worm from orbit. The cannons go off at the exact same time, and when the dust clears, the colossal worm has been reduced to a smoldering carcass and crater. Wow. The Mind Flayer ships turn and warp away, <laughs> accelerating to spell jamming speed and vanishing as quickly as they arrived. <laughs> Val, who still doesn't seem to have noticed the ships, is staring wide-eyed at the destruction. Well, fuck me. Third time's a charm, I guess. We must have hit it in just the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> the Voidfarer crew laughs and cheers, and it becomes abundantly clear to you that no one aboard the Voidfarer was able to see these ships, except for the three of you. Huh? Uh, Ravenous will immediately look at Ezraf, white as a sheet, looking at Ezraf, and then like looks like back to everything. Ezraf gives you a perplexed expression and glances in the direction you are looking. It appears that not even she could perceive this sudden, alithid presence. where we'll pick up next time. Ah. Wow. <laughs> Lots of revelations at the end of this one. Yeah, who the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. It's the evening of Halloween. Trick-or-treating is in full swing across the neighborhood. Pillowcases and buckets shaped to look like jack-o'-lanterns are filling with candy. In all the hustle and bustle, two children take a shortcut through the woods. However, no matter how long they walk, they never reach the expected break in the trees. The sun sets in the sky and the wind whistles through the red and yellow leaves. The children meet new friends, woodland creatures, scarecrows, and other strange denizens of the woods. Still, they must find their way home. The Fiend is coming. Fables Around the Table Lost premieres January 27th wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets, and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th Edition Real Play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to... 
do other things. <laughs> <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com